Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Дамы и господа, добро пожаловать в Prevail. Это второй сезон нашей борьбы с криминальными сволочами. Ваш ведущий Грег Олиар. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. Big news this week. Facebook changing its name. Mark Zuckerberg apparently is aware of the fact that everyone now realizes that Facebook sucks, that the word Facebook is a joke, that people know that it's awful, and he thinks, and the board apparently thinks in their infinite wisdom that by a little name change might fool everybody into thinking that Facebook isn't completely fucking evil, soul-destroying, democracy-destroying, world-destroying, just bad, bad, bad. So, in the spirit of David Letterman, I have compiled a list of the top 10 rejected new Facebook names. Let's get to it. Top 10 rejected new Facebook names. Number 10, Chris Gaines. Number 9, Istanbul. Was Constantinople? No, it's Istanbul. Number 8, New Order. Number 7, Meta World Peace. That's a little something for you guys who know about sports. If you don't know about sports, you have no idea what that means. Number six, Ronald Reagan Airport. Number five, KFC. Number four, Washington football team. Number three, Exxon. Exxon used to be SO, ESSO, which was SO, which is Standard Oil. And it changed to Exxon and then Exxon Mobil, right? Okay. Number two, Darth Vader. And the top rejected new Facebook name, the Russian malware formerly known as Facebook. That's it. Top 10 rejected new Facebook names. So this is an important show today. My guest is Sandy Bacon, the photojournalist. She turned 77, I think the day before we did the interview. She has spent the last couple of years, basically since Charlottesville, going around the country following these alt-right guys, these various groups the MAGA, the Proud Boys, the Groypers, whatever they are, wherever they have these rallies, these stop the steal things, she goes with her camera and records stuff. So 
She was at a Stop the Steal rally in D.C. on November 14th, which is a Saturday. She was there on Saturday, December 12th. Um, That was the one where the Proud Boys came. A bunch of them got arrested. And, of course, she was at the insurrection on January 6th. She was there. She went to see part of Trump's speech. She went to the Capitol. She did not go inside the Capitol. Some of her colleagues did. Her, Her other photojournalists did. And that's how we got the footage of what happened. I mean, so you've seen some of the work that she's done because it was actually in the impeachment exhibits. When they impeached Donald Trump the second time, they used some of her footage in the impeachment. So this is important stuff. And we're in a situation now in the media where, you know, a show is an hour, it's half an hour, there's segments, everything's broken up into these tiny blocks of time. And it, it isn't conducive to telling the full story. So this is a long podcast today. You can see, I don't know if you look at it on your phone or whatever, you can see, hey, wow, this is about, you know, an hour longer than Greg usually talks. But this is an important story. I wanted to give Sandy the space to share her experiences of covering all these people and especially what happened to her and what she saw on January the 6th. Because I feel like that day, that insurrection, the besieging of the Capitol, very much like the Crusades, by the way, which we talk about in the podcast, I feel like this is such an important event that eyewitness accounts, especially non-MAGA eyewitness accounts, are going to be super important. I wanted to hear from her. I wanted to hear from the horse's mouth, as they say. And she really obliged. She was a good sport, told me lots and lots of stuff. I'm so grateful to Sandy Bacon and her colleagues, these photojournalists, brave people for going into the belly of the beast and and coming out with this footage. She's been injured uh, a couple of times. She's been attacked. She's been harassed. She's had death threats. She keeps going. And I really admire her. And you will too. One more thing. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to the podcast. It's free. Don't cost nothing. Just subscribe. Click the little button. Download the thing. Helps me out a great deal because the, the advertising metrics that they use are all about downloads. And I don't really understand how this works, but I know that it's important. And again, it doesn't cost anything. So please, if you're enjoying the podcast, download it, subscribe to it. The other thing you could do if you want to support my work is go to my Substack which is also called Prevail. You can find it just at gregoliar.com. That directs right to the substack, G-R-E-G-O-L-E-A-R.com. If you subscribe there, it costs $5 a month, $50 a year. I publish on Tuesday, on Friday, on Sunday. On November 1st, it's going to be two full years of the Prevail substack, which is, I still can't believe that I've been able to sustain this for this length of time. But I am, and part of it is because of generous subscribers to the project, and I really appreciate it. If you've already subscribed, thank you very much. If you haven't and you can, please consider doing so. Okay, enough of my ranting. We'll be right back with Sandy Bacon. When the evening becomes the night, when the wolves howl with anticipation, this is when alpha men come out to play, to take what they want. Women, power, suede vests. Introducing a new fragrance for alpha men. Gorka by Orban. Take what you want. Handguns, security clearances, well maybe not that. Gorka by Orban. Look for it near the fish oil supplements. And now, back to the show. 
Sandy Bacon, welcome to the Prevail Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you. Now, you your work has been so important uh, in understanding what happened on January 6th, what is called the insurrection, what I call the besieging of the Capitol, because what happened was, I think, akin to some sort of medieval sieging, uh, besieging of some of some, you know, town uh, in the Middle Ages in terms of the, we the, the weapons that were used and the mentality of the people involved. It was medieval. You're right. Like you, you expected them to lop uh, fucking fireballs over the yeah <laughs> over it, the hill, right? <laughs> yeah, like the catapults and this and that, and, right, and right, right down to you know what they planned to do to Mike Pence if they caught him, which mm -hmm. is hang him from that gallows, and that's um, about as medieval as it gets, right? It, yeah. This is these are th these yeah. are the people we're dealing with. So you were there, you were on the ground. You have great footage of this. There, there's <laughs> videos that you've put together that explain the chronology, and that's what I want to talk about. All of that. Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about how you managed to, to get involved with this in the first place. Why were you down there? Tell us a little bit about your career and how you wound up being a, uh, a video journalist. Uh, well, I was a producer in advertising for decades, award-winning Pepsi commercials, Gold Lion at the, at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, a uh, huge career in advertising from the Mad Men days. I started in the Mad Men days at Young Rubicam. And I thought I was going to be a producer forever. <laughs> yeah. And I was head of production of a small advertising agency like about a month before 9-11. And I was laid off because uh, <laughs> Movie Phone was our only television account. We used to do the, t the commercials that were in the theaters. And uh, like I was laid off and then that was my last day in advertising. I never worked. I never really worked again after 9-11 happened. There were no hiring of advertising producers. There was no advertising being done. And especially I was 60 in my, I'm set, I turned 77 yesterday. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You Thank yeah. you. And, uh, you know, like just got sent off into this, it was like the Roadrunner cartoon, you know, where he's running off the cliff and he's running in thin air, you know, for about 10 years, I'm like running off the cliff. And um, then I was um, in a car accident. I was hit by a car. Oh my God. Uh, a couple of years after that. And I had a, a, a lawyer who was a personal injury lawyer who I found out after I got evicted that he was stealing my money and he got me evicted and I wound up homeless at the oh late my 60s. God. <laughs> anyway, this is, a, but I had this camera. <laughs> so what I started to do was I started to document the process of getting evicted, marshals coming to the door, and I, and I, and then Sandy hit the hurricane and I went out and I, filmed people who had really lost everything. Yeah. And I found that I had this gift for talking to strangers on the street. So I was shooting like breaking news and stuff in New York. And I, I didn't know the photography community, which is my family now, the photographers, the photojournalists who were all at uh, January 6th. And somebody said, there's gonna be the largest meeting of white nationalists in the country in Charlottesville on August 12th, I think. 2017. So I took my last $300 and I took a bus down there. I met one photographer down there and I, I saw these people in MAGA hats doing the Heil Hitler, doing Heil Trump, chanting Jews will not replace us with Hitler t-shirts. Where do you even get a Hitler t-shirt? And that was like 
the most surreal experience. And then I was injured. I was somebody tripped me and I fell and I cracked my head open. And it was, oh it probably God. saved my life because I was on my way to where Heather Heyer was killed because of the whole surge of journalists were, uh, what would happen was when they were kicked out, when the Nazis were kicked out of the park, uh, there were like skirmishes all over town and in Charlottesville, it was like a small area where the, the, uh, where the demonstration was. And we were just kind of running. We see a little something happening. And anyway, so I was uh, taken to the hospital, but uh, while, when I finally got up the nerve to go inside the park, it was such a din. They were all screaming and they were doing the Heil Hitler. And it was like, they're carrying these little shields and I knew nothing of these symbols. Now I know everything about what the symbol, you know, identity right. Europa and the groups that that morphed from that day. And all of a sudden I hear David Duke, David Duke. <laughs> and I turn and I swear he's like five feet away from me, David Duke. <laughs> right. And he's like waving at them and they're doing the Heil Hitler. Right. And and it was very loud. So you couldn't hear the recording that I got. But what he said, in essence, was we're here to support uh, uh what is it? The ideas of, I forget the word here to support the ideas of Donald Trump. That's why we voted for him. And that's when I realized that they were there in the name of Trump. They were all there in the name of Trump. And now I was hooked. <laughs> so yeah. I started following right wing extremism and I fell in with these amazing journalists from all over the country, many of them in New York. And when we see a, you know, a white nationalist event we try and go to it we've been to many of them over the years sometimes they fizzle we go to a clan rally in georgia that never happened and we document it so what i learned in charlottesville is the importance of what i do is to document who's there just point my camera and see who's there and everybody who was um identified from that day was because of the photography of the you know sure. the still photographers right so um then there were three uh, rallies. There were three Stop the Steal rallies, and nobody really talks about the arc of this. Tell me if I'm talking too much, by the way. You're not talking. Uh, I do have uh, I do have follow up questions though. Oh, okay, I, good. Should all I ask right, my follow up? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, please. First of all, when did you stop working at Young and Rubicam? What year? Oh, oh God, seventy four or something. Oh, okay. And that, then I moved. And then I worked for. I started in the late sixties, then went to other advertising agencies, okay. and I kept getting more and more money, and I'm more, you know vice president and all that stuff. I asked because that was the first job that I had out of college was for Young and Rubicam. You're kidding. Yeah. I was the assistant where? to the manager of the video library. Which where? Was, where? Was, in New York? In New York, yeah. yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, I was there that? for six whole months. and. Um, oh, my gosh. What a great coincidence. What, uh, what year was that? That was 1995. Oh, summer yeah, of 95. But yeah, I yeah, went yeah. back twice. It's not for me, yeah. but it's very, very cool place. There were very hip people in that building. And I was like, I do not belong here at all. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were, you know, in, in the day, in the, in the day, uh, we were kids. We were all like, it was our first real job. We were in our twenties. Uh, I remember I was there when Woodstock happened because they came around to all the offices and they asked if we wanted to go to this thing. And I didn't want to go. Cause I heard it sounded, it was going to be like muddy. <laughs> I didn't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, whatever year that was 68, 69. And um, we, we worked together. We played together. It was like, we never left that building. I only remember that building. I don't remember apartments I lived in. You know, we played bongo drums and they smoked pot. And, you know, it was like just crazy. And they were the geniuses of advertising. They 
we made the first television commercial. Young Rubicam made the first uh, color television commercial. And there were like little movies and we were all like movie freaks and Kubrick. And, you know, we were like real, you know, filmmakers. One thing I remember from being there, from, you know, and I, again, I was not there for very long, but the building itself is really cool. They have yeah. their own building. Young Rubicam yeah. is, a, is a private company and they own the building, which is yeah, right. kind of rare. Um, well, it wasn't on Madison Avenue then, right? No, I was on Madison Avenue. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, 285 Madison. Yeah. They had a, a thing they did called Bring Out Your Dead, which I think is a line from one of the Monty Python movies where they would they would show all the work that they had done that had been rejected by the clients. Oh, yes. Which was always way better. <laughs> I know that. Oh, that's so cool. We, yeah. we used to do that when I when I was uh, head of production at Mad Dogs and Englishman, which was my last job in advertising. It was this great, edgy little uh, ad agency. And um, we would bring the boards. It was all one, it was one big room. It was like this big loft space. And when we lose an, a pitch, they would bring out the boards and they would burn them in effigy. And they had these bottles, these like uh, uh, jars, what do you call those? You know, where they put canning <laughs> jars. Yeah, yeah, canning jars. And yeah. they put mason the ashes jars. in it and then they put the name, yeah, mason jars. And then they put the name of whatever the account was on it. And then we'd sing, I survive, I will survive. <laughs> It's weird how that's a yeah, great I, job. I was not I was not designed for it. A friend of mine later worked for a small boutique firm, and when when Reuniti, the the you know cheap wine company, was sort of trying to make a comeback, oh, yeah, they were uh -huh. trying to pitch Reuniti, and I said, well, the tagline for Reuniti should be now with cork. And I, again, <laughs> I'm not I'm not cut out for this. Okay, <laughs> that's but there I, were but you know there were these crazy. It really was the most creative space that I. Uh, in business and it kind of spoiled me for any other job that I had because they were the best of the best and the stories you know and and, and we had all the money in the world you know we flew we flew first class when there was a piano bar in the TWA had a piano bar in first class <laughs> up these spiral staircases you know and they we they would we'd stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel it was it was a great time it was good um yeah. Yeah, so oh, I forgot about I forgot about that whole thing. Okay, funny so I want to ask you. Okay. Okay. I want to ask good. you about Charlottesville. Um, yeah, male female ratio, ninety five to one. Oh. Like, how, were there any women there at all? Like, what was going on with that? It didn't uh, look like there was women a lot of Nazis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, no, they were all they were men because you know, and it's you know, people say the sh you know the Proud Boys weren't there. I didn't know who the Proud Boys were at the time, but I happened to get the only video of Enrique Tario. He was there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know who he was, or any, you know, till, till I, I didn't know any of these people were. But, um, you know, the whole Proud Boys thing is they're, you know, Western chauvinists and they, you know, it's, it's all pretty anti-women. Yeah. Uh, misogynistic. The Nazis are pretty misogynistic. Yeah, no, they are. That's why group. I was asking. It just seems like, <laughs> I, I don't know, not... Uh, the, the word incel is bandied about, and I know they have weird, like, it's very fight clubby, you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, they can't masturbate. The original the Proud yeah. Boys, one allegedly, when I first um, heard about them, they, were, they couldn't masturbate. When Gavin McGinnis was around, you know, hey, sign me up, can't masturbate. <laughs> Sounds like fun. It's a good time. It, it, they're macho alpha males. They can't masturbate, yeah. and they're named after a song from a fucking Disney musical. So it sounds oh, really right, right. macho to me. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. I, I don't understand yeah. that whole subculture, and I, I yeah. honestly well, don't think I want to. Well, they're all disenfranchised. My my theory about all the people who 
uh, follow Trump. Uh, it, it, Trump is the drunk dad. And mm. they're all, you know, disenfranchised. They grew up in, uh, I believe, abusive households in one way or the other, either neglect or out and out abuse or alcoholism or drug addiction. And then he comes in and he goes, I alone can fix it. You know, I'll be the daddy. You don't have to do anything. Just follow me. And right. somehow, uh, you know, I've been to these Trump rallies and um, I say, why do you know? Cause I, I just hate him so much. And the only way I could uh, disengage from my hatred of him as a filmmaker was I had this idea would go up to them and in the lines and I go, you know, well, I really can't stand the guy, but why do you love him? And the minute you ask that question, they just opened up. They don't do that anymore because now they really hate the press. That was at the beginning of the yeah. press is the enemy of the people. Um, and they pointed us in the uh, press pen and they boo and they give us a finger and, you know, and, but he really took that to a new level. The, uh, the bashing of the press. That's, that's, bashing that's strong of the press, man tactics. I mean, oh, so the, the strong man all doing. Yeah. Right. I mean, Mussolini and, literally broke the printing presses when he took over, like literally went there and right? smashed them. So, yeah, I mean, that, wow. that, that that's par for the course. But yeah. I think I under I mean, I do understand certainly at that time what the appeal was. I mean, I think that Trump communicated for a lot of these people who felt like their time was, you know, was passing them by as, mm -hmm. as primarily straight white guys. They were like mm -hmm. looking around seeing you know women getting more opportunities and minorities getting more opportunities in their view uh mm -hmm. which was a correction from all of the horrible racism and, and misogyny that has perpetuated in this country since the, the beginning uh right. you know that that's what it is but they perceived it as as an assault on them in in, in some way and and i think probably didn't feel like they could talk about it openly. Like if they even talked about it in any way. Oh, that's a good point. You know, yeah. would get canceled or this or that, or right. um, by the, you know, the woke culture. That's why that stuff, that, that the woke and the cancel culture, they get so uh, yeah. triggered by that because I, I really do believe that that's how they feel. And then Trump comes along, who's a, a guy who's a celebrity. People, everybody knows who he is. Yeah, right. He's, he's packaged himself as a yeah. billionaire, although he's not. And he's he says not, whatever yeah. the fuck he wants. And yeah. nobody oh, they cares. say that they say he says what I'm thinking. Yes. You know, he's and, you know, and he's a, a racist prick and he he says it in such a way that it's OK. If you've ever been to one of these rallies, it, it was so fascinating. I'm look, they're all white men and women uh, all wearing those damn hats. You know, the, it's like a brown shirt. It's it's identity thing. It's like right. a tailgate party. Yeah. Yeah. racists mm -hmm. and he does these inside jokes I, I used to say he was like a um uh it was like a friar's roast in a trailer park you know, <laughs> these like horrible jokes and they just laugh and they were part they were part of it you know right. he, he engaged them and he manipulated them and he it was like he was telling it just between you and me kind of thing and there's twenty thousand people there and he connected with them as all great performers do by the way great singers great you know performers on the stage connect and it's like they're only talking to you and that's what they say to me he's talking to me yeah and that's like a performance trick it's also an intelligence <laughs> trick um that's oh, what is it really is know, it really I, I i was reading i'm reading the the luke harding book um shadow state and he's i think that's where i read it where he's making the argument that putin in his dealings with Trump made him made Trump feel like you're my friend. 
I see you. The same tactics that Trump uses on these people, Putin uses yeah. on Trump. You know, there's a connection there. You feel this connection. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's an important point. The, him as entertainer is yeah. important. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's good yeah. on. Yeah. He is good on stage. Yeah, he's um, good. He's yeah. any. And you know the other thing, Greg. Uh, there's a um, all the Trump rallies are exactly the same. They were. It was the same speech on January sixth. It was the same hour delay to come on. I mm -hmm. have particular reason why I think that day was delayed. Right, right. Uh, but uh, he, he, he plays Gloria, you know, like when you see the video of him playing the, in the tent, listening to Gloria, I was outside when they were playing that. It was freezing that day. It was like 30 something degrees. And um, they were just clapping and applauding these flags. And it was like, a, it was like a, a football game. You know, yeah. it was like the camaraderie. It's their um, uh, what's the word tribe. You know, yeah. it's a lot of tribal stuff. You know, going on with it. They see other people in these ridiculous outfits, red, white, and blue. So the 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 thing that I the the thing that really got me um, intrigued in following this is that when the um, pussy tapes came out. Right. I think I hate him more for making me say that word. I just have always hated that word. And he comes out and says, it. I mean, that was like the most incredible example when those tapes came out. And as you know, being the Russia expert, you know, about the timing of that and the, you know, right. you know, the, that October 7th, I think was the, this incredible day where all these things happen with the emails and the DNC server and blah, blah, blah. And then this tapes came out drop. Right. And I go up to Trump tower because I thought it was over. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way that this was the October surprise, right? <laughs> we go up there and uh, it was a circus. The, I'll, I'll send you the video. It was unbelievable. It was like a sideshow circus. It was crazy. So I go up to this woman and I go, well, what do you think about those tapes? And she says, oh, give me a break. All men love pussy. That's what she said to me. Uh, and that's when I knew it was, it was over. Yeah, it, it was over, but it wasn't over in the th way I thought it was going to be over. Is no, that he it, yeah. says the thing that you think, you know, he, you know, he, he, and he uses fear porn and he scares them, you know, the MS 13 or comedy. It's all the speech is always the same. The, the template for the Trump speech is always the same. It would be fascinating if somebody did a graph of, yeah. You know, when, you know, he builds it and then he gets to the part where the, the fear porn part where they're coming over the border and they're going to rape your daughter. They could put masking tape over your the women's mouths. And it was like and it conjures up these, you know, this visual cinematic nightmare. And he yeah. just churns them up and, and they just get so riled up. And that's in that rage. It's very dangerous. You know, it's you've seen it on the tape and. I didn't, you know, they, and then they would kick people out. I, I think they were probably plants even. They would kick people out at the same time. The security would come in. He'd be the strong man. And he'd go, get him out of here. Right. You know, right. And, but all of it was it. And then Pence would come out and talk about the baby Jesus and talk about the murder, abortion. Uh, you know, I covered it, an evangelicals for Trump thing with Paula White. Where did she ever go? She was his spiritual advisor. Heaven. Oh, she's in heaven now? I don't know. Is she in heaven? Okay. I don't think so. Uh, 
And this was in Ohio. It was the beginning of the pandemic. It was in March of 2020. It was right when you couldn't fly anymore. And I, I, um, I pitched a story. I wanted to see her because she's... So I go out to uh, uh, Ohio. And one of the guys says that she said, we put God in the center of the White House. And then another one of, there was about 20 of these grifter pastors there. And one of them said, and we're going to end the American Holocaust that is abortion. Oh my God. And this kind of speak, and I'm like, yay! You know, so when I first uh, started following Trump, I went to his first press conference where he announced Pence as his vice president, who he had just met. Remember right. Manafort, mm-hmm. right? You know that. Flat tire. How, how did that story? How did that story go? How did he meet Pence? Well, he was going to meet Pence. Pence was going to fly to New York, and Manafort arranged that there was a flat tire on the the Trump Force One, so that Trump had to spend the night in Indianapolis, and everybody flew there instead, <gasps> which put the meeting on Pence's home turf, which made him more comfortable. And yeah, wow. you know, uh, Putin chose Manafort, Manafort chose Man- Pence. That's really all you need to know. Exactly, exactly. Sure. And I didn't know that until, you know, a year ago. But this press conference is fascinating because it was at the, it was at the Hilton Hotel and Trump goes on for an hour. Uh, they played that music. They played uh, Nessun Dorma and they played, all, you know, the Rolling Stones and they do, you know, they, which is the same thing they do. You know, they play the same music. Uh, it was really the template for all of the, um, the times he speaks, you know, they, they wait, he's late, they play the music. Uh, but there was, this was just for press and it was real weird. And uh, he gets out there and he goes, I ruled with the evangelicals. The whole speech was about the evangelicals. It was about I'm gonna um, I forget the guy's name. He's given this. He's given the exact verbatim speech every time he talks about um, whoever the who are the big uh, evangelical guys. There's two big ones. Franklin uh, Franklin Graham. Franklin and, Graham and the other one. Oh, um, uh, Falwell. Falwell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's one more. Anyway, let's say it was Franklin Graham. So there. So he says he comes up to meet me in uh, Trump Tower. And uh, they're, you know, why can't we talk about politics in church, they say. So we're going to change all that. We're going to get rid of the Johnson Amendment, which, you know, and the, this whole thing about the tax, you know, we're, you're not going to be taxed ever. And it, so he's like playing up this evangelical thing. And then eventually he comes, he introduces Pence, but like, like as an afterthought, you know, right. as it also ran. And Pence comes out there and, he's, and he, he looks, you know, it looks like Mike Pence. And he goes, um, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order. And every time I'd see him, he'd give the same speech. <laughs> that was the first time that I'd seen it. I made, I made it a loop of it and I put it up on Twitter. <laughs> it was over and over and over again. <laughs> but that's what they did. And don't discount this evangelical component because that's how he became president that's how he they wound up going to the capitol on january 6th it was all in the name of jesus it was the name of the supreme court of taking the supreme court back and all of the judges that he's put in and they went there with signs jesus 2020 uh you know oh and and the groipers you know the groipers are 
Oh, the Groypers are that guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes, right? This guy. Okay, so let me back up a second. So that so there's there are three uh, stop the steal rallies. Oh wait, wait, wait. So, Before we get to the stop the steal yeah, rally, because okay. I want I want to make sure we yeah, okay. we mark that spot. You're, okay. you're talking about the evangelicals. What this reminds me of, what he's doing, is very similar to how the Crusades began in 1095, which was you have a pope, a new pope, going around in France and what's now France, saying. These new, these Arabs, these Turks have taken the, the Jerusalem. They're raping the women. They're killing the babies. Ah. The Christians are being thrown to the wolves, whatever, the, whatever he said. Um, yeah. You can go back and read the speeches that this puts Urban II made at Claremont and um, riled all these people up. And then got, you know, it's very, very similar tactic. Got them all riled up, promised them money, promised them whatever you do, don't worry about it. It's not a sin. If you're on the crusade, it, it, wow. it doesn't count. If you kill somebody, it's fine. Wow. And uh, and these were mostly French noblemen who were second, third, fourth sons and didn't have land of their own anyway. So they spent a lot of their time just fighting each other in France and causing trouble. So basically the Pope just took all the troublemakers, put them on, on boats and sent them to Jerusalem to, to take over the place. And it really? it's a very, very, very similar tactic. That's all I'm going to say. Well, the rise of fascism, right? And yeah. in, in, I mean, Hitler, I interview Holocaust survivors for years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have this little site called the last eyewitness project where I kind of put them when I have time because I mean, look what, look what what was that thing that just came up about the opposing view to the Holocaust? Oh, my you, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and this is the mentality that, uh, you know, when I put up uh, my my Charlottesville footage on on YouTube, I would leave or my Holocaust survivor interviews and I leave unless they're death threats. I leave the comments up there like, gee, that's a great story. Too bad it never happened. Oh my God. You know, and, you know, and the um, uh, 14 words, they would, they put all these Nazi symbols, which I didn't know what they meant at the time. But this is all, this is not new. Trump did not invent this. This no. is all, he freed it. You know, uh, did you ever see Forbidden Planet? <laughs> Oh, God, maybe a million years ago. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a, it was on the other day. It was a, it, I grew up in the fifties in Hollywood. I'm, I'm, my my parents worked at Disney. I'm like a Hollywood. I'm Hollywood royalty, and uh, I used to take the twenty five cents to go swimming at the Hollywood High Pool and go see a double bill on Hollywood Boulevard. Right, and there was this movie called Forbidden Planet, and it was I think it's actually a Shakespearean story. But there's the mad scientist and a robot, Robbie the robot. And uh, there is this thing called the Krell and the Krell is like kills people and stuff. But what it was in the end was his evil thoughts that he mm. had, you know, kept in this metal room. Right. And it finally escaped. But it was all it was like it was freed. Trump freed. He made it OK to be a racist. OK, you know, for these women to go into store, which is I'd like to talk when we get there about the what this has morphed in, what January 6th has morphed into, what the MAGA movement has morphed into. But it's all of a sudden, you can just go and say anything to anybody. All that stuff that you did in the thought bubble, now it's okay to say it. Right? Yeah, yeah, without consequence, without without yeah. anything. So right. absolutely. So, okay, um, I want to now, we're going to talk about Stop the Steal and the January 6th. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay. Sandy Bacon.
This episode of Prevail is brought to you by Tales.com. That's tales as in stories and not as in jacket and tie. Tales.com is the easiest way to record your family memories. If you're anything like me, the thoughts probably crossed your mind that you should have your mom or dad, or both, write down their life stories. But here's the problem. Most people have no clue where to start, and we never get around to doing it. That's why we're partnering with Tales.com, to give families like yours a super easy way to capture your family's most important memories. Here's how it works. This is the really cool part. Tales has professional interviewers who interview your loved one over the phone, over Zoom, just like we do here on the podcast, over Zoom, and record their stories. Then Tales delivers a professionally produced podcast episode hosted on a private webpage that your family will cherish forever. Now we're heading into the holiday season. Mom and dad, it's always impossible to find something for them, right? This is the perfect, unique, meaningful gift for a loved one that instantly becomes family heirloom. Get started right away. No shipping necessary at Tails.com. And for listeners of Prevail, that's you. Tails is offering $20 off your first purchase. Just enter promo code PREVAIL at checkout at Tails.com. That's T-A-L-E-S dot com with promo code PREVAIL for $20 off your first purchase. Check it out today. Tales.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Sandy Bacon. Okay, now, right, it's funny, right? Because there's no real break when we do this. Yeah, There will be a break. Oh, People it. will hear some I'm sort of produ- ad. I'm a producer. I but, get it. You know, it. that's it. It's, it's, it's never enough. And usually half the time I forget to even do that. Okay, so now I want to talk about the thing. It's this... January 6th really begins with Stop the Steal, right? Which is in November. Is that when it is? That was another. Well, Pat, let's back up about Stop the Steal. Stop the Steal okay. was Roger Stone came up with that phrase. In 2016. Yeah. In 2016, in case they lost the election. Right. So they have been talking about the rigged election since he's been running for president. <laughs> yeah. And that's the evil genius of this whole thing is that people were taught to not trust the results of whatever happened just in yeah. case he lost right and i think mm-hmm. it was probably a surprise to him that he lost and if it wasn't for putin as we know you probably wouldn't have. um so uh roger stone and roger stone and and bannon's role in january 6th can and um mike flynn of course but they cannot uh be um their importance can't be overlooked and hopefully they'll get to the bottom of it because um, they, they have been doing this for a long time. I, that, I can't imagine how many people were involved in pulling this off. So first of all, um, there was, Trump said he wasn't going to accept, they asked him if he would accept before he lost, they asked him if he would accept the results of the election. And he goes, right. well, I'll, let you, I'll get back to you on that, right? Whatever. So he was setting it up, right? For right. The whole, so, um, on November 14th, so so he lost on, what was the election, November 3rd? But it wasn't immediately, the results weren't immediate. Yeah, it took a, a like a week or something, I think. It was, it was a while. I, it was a yeah. Saturday. I think it was probably that Saturday that we actually, that they finally called it. I, I remember yeah, like, and I, uh, I uh, the, journalists have this thing called FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, right? Mm-hmm. So I had gone to DC for the election results so we could get, whatever that was with the, you know, with the crowds. Right. And I was there, I had stayed for a couple of extra days and they were still like figuring it out. So I got on the train to come back to New York and it was full, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, 
the COVID, you know, the pandemic was in full bloom. We were, there weren't any vaccinations or anything that we were wearing, you know, N95 masks and a shield on the Acela. Yeah. I get on this empty train to go back to New York and they announce it on the train while I'm on the train. <laughs> I was so mad. And my friends went to Black Lives Matter Plaza and they're dancing in the streets and I was so pissed off. So uh, when I got back to New York that night, I went to Times Square and there was a wonderful, um, they, they, they showed Biden coming out at, on the jumbotrons and everybody was dancing and honking. And, you know, so I did get to experience that. So I can't remember what date that was. I want to say the seventh. It was a couple of days after yeah. the, it was, the it was Saturday, whatever the Saturday was, whatever so, the yeah. Saturday was. Okay. So Tuesday's election. Okay. Uh, so um, now here's a really interesting thing. On November 9th, I think that's the date. November 9th, Trump fires everybody in the Pentagon. He fires all right. the brass in the Pentagon. Right. And, yep. and everybody goes, what the hell is he doing that for? We know it's got to be bad, but we don't know why he did that. Right. Well, <laughs> And I would be interested, Greg, if you can find this out, who he put in. I know, I know he put Chris Miller in as the head of the, uh, uh, the Secretary of Defense. And his role is, he has blood on his hands. I mean, the guy's, yep. <laughs> uh, there's just. Uh, he's got, a lot, he's got to answer a lot of questions that he, he has to answer a lot of questions. But he has been under oath and or he's been deposed. And nobody's asking him the right question. So yeah. hopefully my video, you know, I keep pushing out there with the 14 times they denied the National Guard. And he was on the phone and his friend Cash Patel, who was his, uh, what do you call it? Assistant, whatever, you know, head yeah. uh, of the chief of staff, the guy with the bug eyes. <laughs> Yeah. What's with, the, what's with those guys with the bug eyes? <laughs> Is it you know, like a, a medical condition or are they just scared shitless? <laughs> So anyway, so so back to so he fires everybody on November 9th. Now I don't really think much about that. I'd forgotten about this until after January 6th, until I started piecing this thing together. So on January on November, on November 9th, he fires everybody. On November 14th, there is a rally in Washington, DC. Now it's not called Stop the Steal, it's called March for Trump or Million Mega March. They had like 10 different names for these. Uh, these rallies. But when you got there, it was all stop the steal. It was all signs, printed signs, printed banners. They put some thought into this. Right, right. <laughs> and more MAGAs than I'd ever seen in one place. I don't know how many they wound up being. There were not hundreds of thousands, but there was, you know, 20,000. I don't know. And they, they met at Freedom Plaza and they had the flags and it was just terrifying it was you know joe biden's a pedophile pedo joe they call him you know it's it the election was rigged it was all you know so they're in their tribe and they have and they agreed that the election has been stolen right and right. they're going to fight back they're going to take their country back so the seeds of this um and what uh i i would be interested in knowing what they were told to get to get there on all three of these rallies, I'd lo I'd love to know what they were what they were told because um, that you know like I actually was friends with one of them who was it was inside the Capitol on January sixth and we we're staying we we're staying at the same hotel and he's uh, he's he's from New York area and 
he, he get, I get in the elevator that night because it was a curfew at six o'clock and I go back to my hotel and he looks at me and he's dressed like, um, he's got this black like SWAT outfit on, mm. like with epaulets and stuff. It was like co- a lot of cosplay, cosplay. with these, yeah. yeah, with these They're guys. They're LARPing. They're LARPing. LARPing, yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. What is that, live action role, role play, play or something? Yeah. yeah. He had a little Proud Boys patch on. And he goes, I got inside. Now, here's the thing. I don't know anybody got inside till I turned the news on that night. Because where I was, was in front on the west side, where you see all the people surging up, you know, by yeah. the- um, And now we're talking about January yeah. 6th, just Yeah, but I, want, yeah. I, just, I'm, I just want to say that he, that he said, I got inside and no, he got inside. So I'm sorry, I'm going around. Okay. Uh, let me go back. Let me go back to November third, fourteenth. Uh, so there were speeches all day, and there were these guys, the Nick Fuentes with the, the Groypers. Okay. And the Groypers, I'm not sure what that name is about, but um, they are Christo fascists. They're Catholic, extreme young boys, like brown shirt kind of boys, and all they do is chant "Christ is King" over and over again. So I saw them in Freedom Plaza and they're giving these fiery speeches. Fuente's giving and they're going, Christ is king. And they're wearing MAGA hats. And I I got to them at the end of I said, what did you just say? Did you just say Christ is king? And they go, yeah. I said, would you do it again <laughs> for my camera? <laughs> and they 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 did it. And it was just I'm standing in the middle of them and there and it was so terrifying because over and over and over again. And then Fuentes gets up and he said, you know, so-and-so isn't king and, you know, so-and-so isn't president. Donald Trump isn't president, but Christ is the king of everything, right? So he's a real Christo, it's a Christofascism, which is along with this evangelical, with the religious theme of this takeover, you know, this fascist takeover. Um, So that night... I followed the Proud Boys. I, I get there was another one on on December twelfth. It was another rally on December twelfth, and that had the most Proud Boys I've ever seen in one place. The, the November fourteenth was mostly magas. Then we go to Harry's Bar where the Proud Boys hang out, and there was a bunch of Proud Boys there. But the really massive Proud Boy um, appearance was on December twelfth. And that was a very violent night. Yeah, I remember that one was, there was a lot of- There were four stabbings involving, uh, one of them, a friend of mine, photographer friend of mine got one of them on camera. He didn't even realize he got it until after he looked at his shots and you see the knife. But what would happen is what they would go to Harry's bar in the Harrington Hotel, which is where they hang out. They've always hung out there. It's like a frat party. Right. And they wore their little Fred Perry shirts, you know, their yellow and black, right? So after that night, so that it was very violent that night. So they, so I followed them. We followed them out to Washington Monument about midnight that night, and they were giving speeches. I I, I equate it to that scene in Glory just before they're going to war, you know, and they're all mm. like, you know, they're singing spirituals and they're praying to God that they're going to survive. And they were giving these kind of speeches, these going to war speeches. And they all went out to the um, uh, mall and it was dark and it couldn't, I couldn't really get a good shot, but they, you could see the Capitol in the background and they all knelt down and they prayed. 
and they prayed that they survived this battle, whatever that was going to be. That was the 12th of December. So they had been building this army for a while, and they and I believe that these were dry runs. My my feeling about it, looking back on it, uh, that they were dry runs for what happened on January 6th. You know, they. So I don't know if they went to the Capitol, if they scoped it out. I'm not quite sure, but um, or they're they, just building they, the momentum. You know, they're building. Yeah, well, the they were building the. It was like a bund rally. You know, they were they were fired up. They were, you know. Fuck Antifa, fuck Antifa. That was the, the chant of the whole Clever. January, uh, de- December. Yeah, it's very tricky. Yeah. But so, I think, uh, I mean, also uh, some of this stuff, you know, it, it, it was in reaction to certain milestones that had to be passed. Like all the states had to, you know, officially say, okay, yes, you won Arizona. Yes, you won this. Mm. So I think the reason that they picked January 6th is because that was that was the date they were going to certify, certify. the, yeah, the yeah. election, you know, and also right. it's the new year and it's, you know, it's getting closer. It's clear that, that, that whatever, I, I don't know what the, the trigger was for uh, the 11, the 14th of November or the 12, 12, but. Well, they were building, they were building that, that sentiment for stop the steal. And, and yeah. they, so, and Trump said, so he said a really interesting thing. He said, um, you know, if I had lost legitimately, I would mm-hmm. go play golf for the rest of my uh, life. I'd be perfectly happy doing that. But this election was rigged and it was stolen. And I can't sit back and let that happen to my our country. You know, that's how he, <laughs> that's how he played it to them. Oh, they go, yeah, you're right. We have to fight. And it was all this fight for Trump, fight for Trump. So this was this noble. It was very much the Crusades, but little mm-hmm. I know about them. It was a holy war. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, and I'll get into that in a minute when I get to January 6th. But um, so they were building their army. Uh, it was an army. They were building an army. The three percenters were there. Now, an interesting thing that um, so Enrique was really in charge of the Proud Boys. I had never seen and they were like a bunch of kindergartners. You know, if you get them in a really huge group like that, they'll go off and somebody will, you know, like start trying to start a fight. They'll be like a counter protester. Uh, and there'll be a skirmish line that he says, get back in here, get that probably, you know, get in. Uh, what he, it was a term that he used to get form a form a hole or something. It was, so, it was a way that he had of getting them back into mm-hmm. back into line. And he would, and he was in charge of those guys and they would do anything that he said. Right. So, I don't remember when he got arrested. I think it was and the day before. It was the day or two before. It was very, very close to the to the election. To, and before to, to that, because January no, but, 6th, yeah. I'm talking, yeah. So I'm talking about December 12th. Oh, okay. So December 12th, he, he wasn't anywhere near <laughs> that we we're aware of. No, I guess he was in, I'd like to know if he was in jail on January 6th. I don't, I don't know where he, he was. He wasn't there though, yeah. He wasn't there. No, nobody was there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was definitely more, and and I remember uh, when we got out there. I I I know him because I shot the video that that I just happened to be at the Republican Club this night, where um, uh, because because of what I learned in Charlottesville, I heard that Gavin McGinnis was going to be at the Republican Club uh, a couple of years before this. I forget what year it was. And so I went there with my camera and I photographed them going in. I photographed them coming out. And when they left, we followed them. 
and I got the video of this street fight and it wound up being, you know, two of them wound up going to jail. And um, so they knew me, they know me, you know, I've yeah. gotten death threats and stuff like that. So he came, so Enrique, the, the way I met Enrique was there was a, a thing in DC, a freedom of speech uh, rally around the 4th of July, a couple of years ago when Trump had his big, you know, army tank 4th of July <laughs> in mm-hmm. DC. And uh, the Proud Boys were there and Gavin McGinnis was there and Laura Loomer was there and Milo Yiannopoulos and all these people who had been deplatformed gave free speech uh, thing, uh, speeches at Freedom Plaza. And I'm leaving and I see the Proud Boys getting into a bus and all of a sudden Enrique looks at me and crosses the street with this big shitting and grin on his face and sticks out his hand. He goes, Sandy, Enrique. Oh my God. And I got, I, I'm dead. I got, I'm fucking dead. This is it. But what happened was, of course my camera wasn't on when that happened, but what happened in the course of the day, a really interesting thing happened. I'm sorry I'm jumping around, but this is an important piece of my relationship with, with Enrique. Okay. So, so uh, he, then I see him again, later in the day and I'm there marching and I'm shooting and running back, you know, you do a lot of running backwards and shooting to what I do. And uh, I said, you know, Enrique, you're a lot better looking in person than you are. <laughs> <laughs> he started, he blushed and he was interviewed later that night. He said, you know, the best thing that happened to me this day, a friend of mine interviewed him. He said, uh, you know, the Sandy Bacon, I thought she really, she really hated me, you know, because I had this video of him in Charlottesville and I would post it on social media. She said, but, but she looked at me and she gave me this smile. And he said, that was like really a beautiful moment. So, I mean, that, that was like this crazy exchange. So back to January 12th. So I would see, so I see him. So every time I'd see him, I'd say, hi, Enrique. He'd say, hi, Sandy. And he'd say, um, so the night of the 12th, about midnight, that we wound up going out to where the Washington Monument is, and there was a bunch of press there, and there was I don't know, thousands of these guys. And he, he says to them, he says, see these people behind me with cameras? That's the press. Do not fuck with them. So he really liked us following him. Yeah. He okay. appreciated the point of this long story. Enrique appreciated the press. He liked being in front of the camera. He liked being the head of the Proud Boys. So then he gets arrested. And I don't know whether it was after the arrest, but he said, when you go to the rally, don't dress as the Proud Boys. So I'd be interested in the timing of when that was told to them, because when they showed up, they weren't wearing their, you know, I knew who they were because I know them, but uh, they were just as, they were supposed to be dressed as Antifa, but they just look like loggers. Plaid <laughs> right. well, shirts. And, Antifa doesn't have a way that they dress because they're, what is I know, even, black. it's not even oh, a thing. They're wearing black, right? Yeah. yeah. So first of all, there is no Antifa. I'm sorry. Yeah. There yeah. is no Antifa. It's like saying- They're just dressed like they're, they live in Portland, I guess. That's the yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. Actually, they're, they're, they're more classic, what you think of Antifa as are, are in Portland. You know, because so I went to the Proud Boys- yeah. Uh, protest there, like a free Kyle Rittenhouse oh, uh, rally in Portland. So, um, so anyway, so he followed him out, and I felt. So then he was arrested, and he was always Roger Stone's security. 
The Proud Boys were always Roger Stone's security, and Enrique in particular. But he was arrested in a very odd arrest. I never trusted that arrest. He was arrested for in a state where it was an open carry state, but he had ammunition. He didn't have a gun. He had a bullet. What do you call it? Case, uh, what do you call those things? You know, like cartridge, high, high capacity magazine. Yeah. Uh, and that was the bus. And the bus never. I always thought this is just my theory that he was taken out of the January sixth equation on purpose. Right? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, on January 5th, I'm at Freedom Plaza where they're giving all these speeches and Roger Stone's there and Alex Jones is there. And um, the, the Oath Keepers are with him. And the Oath Keepers take him to the hotel across the street where he's staying, that famous hotel, the Wilford, the hotel Willard, across Willard? the Willard? The Willard, yeah. And they walk him across the street and all of a sudden the Oath Keepers out of nowhere. And I've filmed the Oath Keepers before, you know, they're you know, I've seen them at the gun rallies. You know, I went to the uh, Richmond um, Second Amendment rally in Richmond. A lot of people with guns and Oath Keepers are there. And all they are are people who have taken an oath to the Constitution. There's a lot of guys who are military. There's a lot of guys who are cops, ex-cops. Now, active cops, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay, so now we're, now we're into January 6th. So I went down on the 5th. We all went down on the 5th. And... It was a weekday, I think it was Tuesday. And we were saying, well, it can't, it, it's not going to be really big. It's a calculate. What I do is, you know, we're all self-funded and we travel and it's a, it's a calculated risk. It could be nothing. It could be January 6th. <laughs> right. And so we, we say, well, it's a, we don't know how many people are going to show up because it's a weekday, but it was a day before the votes were to be certified. January 6th was the day that the votes would be uh, you know, the peaceful transfer of power yeah. in the democracy was January 6th, right? So, so the night before, I got there late, but I got there because uh, I wanted to see Roger Stone, whom I'd never filmed before. And I wanted to see, um, what do you call it? Uh, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. And Ali Alexander was there. And Mike Flynn was there, but I missed his speech. Uh, and they were giving these... Alex Jones came out. He was the first one there. And it was a, like a holy war. It was Jesus. It was God. It was, this will be their destruction. We have to fight like hell. We have to fight like Flynn, he said. Oh. And everybody's going, yay. You know? And it was like ginning up. It was like the night in glory in the movie. And he sounds like, Alex Jones sounds like a wrestling announcer. I mean, he has that, you know, that way. Oh, yeah. We're going yeah. to go talk to God. Yeah. We're going yeah. to talk to God. Yeah, he's, he, yeah. he has that. You know, that and he's, yeah, and he's, he's just a hate monger. You know, he's, yeah. he, knows how to, he knows how to rile them up. And he speaks like a pastor, you know, like a, mm -hmm. a fire. He's a brimstone, fire and brimstone kind of pastor, right? So he gives this speech and then Ali Alexander comes out and he goes and he's introduced as the leader, you know, he's the leader or the, I forget the hell they introduced him, of Stop the Steal. And Ali gets up there and um, he looks exactly like Sammy Davis Jr. And apparently he jokes about it. He said that Trump, Trump was friends with Sammy Davis Jr. And he loved me because I look like Sammy Davis Jr. But they, they actually call him Scammy Davis Jr. <laughs> because he's such a guy. <laughs> 
So he gets up there and he introduces Roger Stone. And Roger Stone comes out and he says, now this video was on YouTube and they took it down off of YouTube and they gave me a strike for Roger Stone's speech. The first time in 14 years I ever got a strike on YouTube. Yeah, they said it was hate speech, it was conspiracy theories, and it was something else. So he comes out and he says, I have two words for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Three words. And he goes to this whole thing about how he's been saved Ugh. and that he's gotten right with God. Oh, and, uh, and the election was stolen. And he talked about the Russia hoax. And he talked about the... Um, the election being stolen and there was the Russia hoax. There was something else. There was all, he brought it all in all of the, you know, which God, I hope Cy Vance comes through on this because he's my last hope in New York. His last day in office is December 31st. And he's, if he doesn't start indicting these people for the Russia hoax, I don't I, you know, for the Russian loans and all that. I don't know. So, um, and then he goes across the street and with the uh, Oath Keepers and he does the, uh, the Nixon, he does that Nixon pose. And it right. was so dark, I couldn't get video of it, but I got one frame of it. And um, the next day, I actually got press credentials to go to the, uh, to get into the thing, but you had to show up to get into the speech, but you had to show up at 6.30 in the morning. And I just, you know, didn't want to do that because when you go to these secret service events where Trump speaks, you get locked into, I don't want to get locked into any place that, you know, I couldn't get out of. Uh, and cause I didn't know what the setup was of, of the, um, at the ellipse, which the ellipse is in front is between the white house. And it's the, uh, the mall with the Washington monument. And there's this air, this huge area. And that's where the speech was set up. So I wound up going there about nine 30 that morning. And I saw all these guys in, in like camouflage and you know oath keeper types a militia dressed with um they didn't have weapons we can't have weapons in dc but right. apparently they had them but, but they were dressed uh with the whole talk about cosplay i mean the whole thing was just you know and they were in flags and three percenter flags and uh you know, Jesus flags and there's, there, there's a flag, a Christian flag that I don't know the name of that's got a tree on it. It's great. Got a white flag with a green tree and it's a, some kind of like, you know, crusades kind of mm -hmm. uh, going to war flag and um, Confederate flags. And so I get up to the, I, so I get up there about nine, nine thirty in the morning. I, I get up to, uh, I turn the corner and, <laughs> and uh, there were, tens of thousands of people magas there with these as many flags and it was you there wasn't a space where there weren't these people and and it was terrifying yeah. no cops not one cop i saw on my way there i saw two um national guard there were two national guards guys in fatigue just in regular not dressed as national guard they were just in a national guard truck and this national guard on their shirts and they were talking to a couple of maga people but they were just schmoozing yeah but what are they going <laughs> to do that, anyway two people like three people well, no but what but there was no police presence now the other events there was police presence throughout or if there was a scuffle immediately 
the Metropolitan Police would come on their bicycles. You know, anytime okay. there would be a um, fight or something, come as if from nowhere. You know, like the like the monkeys in the in the Wizard of Oz. You know, they would like swoop in <laughs> yeah. on these bikes, and they were like really scary looking. Like like in New York, we have the tactical cops that are just they look like insects. They're so terrifying looking. They're talking about cosplay, right. <laughs> and they look like they they look like that. But they were on bicycles. But they were like riot cops, but they were on bicycles. So um, I didn't see any, I know I saw no police presence, not one, not one cop all day long from the ellipse, walking to the Capitol or at the Capitol, not one cop. Now I thought that was strange because I had been to the Capitol grounds during the Kavanaugh hearings and that place was in lockdown. You couldn't get within a block of the Capitol, two blocks of the Capitol because there was uh, you know, metal barricades, yeah, barricades, yeah, and there were cops with canines, and you know, the Capitol Police, you know, were guarding it. Nothing, I saw nothing. So, I leave early. He's now he's given the speech. He's an hour late. They're playing Gloria. They're playing Elton John. They're playing, you know, Creed. Like a rock star. He's he's an hour he's late, like, like a rock star. The rock like star a makes rock you late. Star. Yeah, or the it's concert to start. Right. And he does it. Every single time. It's like he riles up the crowd. He plays the music from there, you know, the, from the 80s music. Mm-hmm. And they are in heaven because they're seeing their guy, right? But it's like a tailgate party up until that point. They're laughing. They're, and they're turning Confederate flags. And I mean, it just, and it's one guy says, I didn't, you know, when I'm shooting, sometimes I don't know what I got until I get home and look at it. Right. And one guy goes, let's start talking and start hanging. <laughs> and, you know, there was like talk like that. So at 1030, I'm standing up and I'm shooting the crowd and I'm shooting them, you know, like where he's on there. Now there's, there's the speeches. Now there's speeches, but it's Laura Trump. When I got there, um, that lawyer, uh, Mo, Mo Brooks, is that his name? He spoke. Mm-hmm. And Giuliani was there. And I couldn't hear because I was really far away. And um, Eric Trump and Laura Trump. And Laura Trump says in my video, she says, we it's, it's time to take our country back. And I'm thinking, what the hell is, what is she talking about? Take our country back. And all the speeches were about taking their country back, right? So you know, you got to fight like hell. That's what she said. You got to fight like hell and take your country back. So there's lots of talk about fighting. Uh, and at 1030, I'm standing up by the ellipse, I mean, by the Washington Monument. And all of a sudden I see in the clearing, a group of Proud Boys. Now they're not dressed as Proud Boys, but I know who they are. And they're, they go, ooh, which is a thing they say when they're in a group. I don't know what that is. And um, they gather around and they're being given instructions. And all of the people in that group have been indicted of the key plot proud boys. There was that guy, Nathan. There was uh, Pizzola, right. Dominic Pizzola, who was the first to breach the Capitol. A bunch of them, five or, five or six of them that were indicted. Were, and and, this, and uh, Biggs, Joe Biggs. I think he was the guy giving instructions. 
Okay. I, yeah. Uh, and uh, they, they gather around and then they leave and I follow them and it's 1045 and Trump's supposed to go on at 11. So I follow them and they're marching towards the Capitol and they're going, fuck Antifa, fuck Antifa. Uh, I follow them and I get about halfway down towards the Capitol and I look at my watch and it's like going to be 11. I say, oh, sh-. and I made this decision. Should I go with them or should I go back and get the speech? Right. So I went back and get the speech, but he was an hour late. So then right. I was pissed that it didn't go. Anyway, um, it's all split second decisions when you do what I do. Should I go here or there? And, you know, and then I know the minute I make the decision to go one place, the action is going to be in the other place. It's, just, <laughs> it's like at the supermarket, whatever. I know, line exactly, right, right. Exactly. Or the, the bank line, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like the bank line. So uh, I go back up there and now there's still more music and more thing. And then um, they play Gloria and then they play Hallelujah. Uh, Leonard Cohen would roll over in his grave. <laughs> yes, he would. And then Trump comes out. And he's applaud. He always applauds himself. I don't know why he applauds himself. All the so this is around he, noon that he comes out. This was exactly at noon, so he was exactly an hour late. And he gives the same speech he's always given. He's given, you know, the election was stolen. It was rigged. It was, you know, you just it was a template of all the speeches that he gives, right? So about forty-five minutes. What did I leave? I left about. 45 minutes into the speech because people were starting to leave. Right? Now, apparently people were already at the Capitol. I didn't know this at the time. The people, like my group of photographers left it. They got there at 9.30. They got to the Capitol at 9.30. And those were all the people that went inside. Okay. All my photographer friends that wound up going inside uh, were there. And I think I was actually spared because I'm old and I, I would you know, the, you know the, the thing about going inside that they talked about later, they didn't know if they were going to get shot by the cops, by the photographers, right? And one of my photographer friends has got the footage that you see a lot of. She said she was so scared. She was yelling, I'm, I'm pressed. I'm pressed. Don't shoot. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, so, so the decision to go inside was kind of life or death, you know. Yeah. No, a, no. These photojournalists, you just no idea how courageous they are. There were photographers, really. And a lot, yeah. some of them are actual war photographers, but now we've all become war photographers since this, yeah. this thing has happened. So now I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. And I go down there and I walk down, um, I think it was Pennsylvania Avenue. It was wherever he says, I'm going, I'm, I'll be with you. He says, I'm going down Pennsylvania Avenue. I think that's what he said. And I'll be with you. And uh, so meanwhile, people start, leaving now there was it was completely empty and i walked the the street is that the street i think that's a street that his uh hotel is on trump hotel mm-hmm. and there was barren and i see and i as i'm leaving there are people listening to his speech around the town away from away from the uh where he was speaking when they're listening on little speakers right and he's going on about the states. He's going state to state. It was almost like he was dragging it on. You know, he was stretching it. And he was going by, you know, Georgia with the thing. And we had, they didn't count the original count. And, it, you know, I don't know what he was doing. He was, he was delaying the speech. Now, at 12.53, I am at the Trump uh, Hotel. And there's a couple sitting there in lawn chairs listening to the speech. And he's talking about the, the states that he 
one. And uh, that was the time of the first breach of the barricades. The first barricades were breached at 1253 on the west side, the northwest side of the Capitol. And now I leave there and I'm walking down. So he's still speaking at the time of the first breach. And I, my belief is that he gave them time cover to break in. And another thing yeah. happened at that point. At 1240, the, the pipe bombs were found. They were set to go off at one o'clock, which would have been Actually, Seven actually, minutes after the first breach is what it would have been. Yeah, but also he's still speaking. Mm -hmm. If he had gone with his original timeline, he, the bomb, he would have finished speaking and the bomb would have gone off like after he finished. It would, the whole, if the bombs had gone off, I don't think the bombs were ever supposed to go off. But if they were supposed, if they went off, it would shut everything down. Right. There would be no, there would be no, I mean, he could declare martial law, I guess. No, you wouldn't do that. It wasn't near the Capitol, you know. There was something so mysterious that never sat right with me about these bonds, about who placed them. They they placed and they were sauntering, like you, they have live bombs and they're sauntering. You know, yeah. uh, there was something very. And why haven't they found that person unless they're in Congress and they're not going to tell us? You know? <laughs> you know, whatever. I thought it was Ali Alexander for a while, but he was. I was with him at Freedom Plaza when the when the bonds were placed. So they were found at 1240 by not by, you know, just by regular people found them. And then they were set to go off at one. And that always kind of mystified me. So so now I get down, down to um, whatever the end of that street is. And when you turn the corner, there's like a, uh, when you get to the Capitol at the end of, I think it's Pennsylvania, there's a, some kind of statue there. And there were people all over the statue, like the the French revolution you know they're hanging yeah. off the statues right and then when i turned there's like tens of thousands of people like crawling like insects crawling up the you know going through but just they were just regular people they weren't the people that were in tactical gear they were just regular magas that would show up at a rally mm -hmm. they were like old people and they would go well, you know, I don't know. And I heard one woman say, well, I don't know. Are we supposed to go inside? Are we supposed to go around? I don't know. You know, they knew something. They knew they were there for a purpose. Right. And I would love to know. I would love to talk to one of those people and find out what they were told in their little chat rooms and Facebook pages, why they were going there. If they had, if they knew that there was, why did that woman say she would go inside, go inside the Capitol? I mean, you, you can't go inside the Capitol. That's federal property, you're trespassing. You know, how did, they, how did they even get that idea? So I turned the corner and there's a statue, it looks like a Remington statue of a horse. And you know, like it looks like a bronze, it was a bronze statue. And there's a guy standing on, it's one of my favorite images of the day. And he's standing on it with a Confederate flag and he's dressed like Custer. He's got like, you know, cosplay Custer. And uh, he's going, uh, death to traitors, death to Romney, which, by the way, is against the law to threaten a member of Congress with death, to say that on camera. That's right, like, yeah. It's an offense. And so 
I get that. And then I go, there was a. Wait, a, so I, let's just, let's, he's dressed like Custer and waving a Confederate flag. So that's, you know, Custer yeah, right. did not end well for Custer. It did not end well for the Confederacy. <laughs> this is clearly someone who's very well versed in history. You know, let me ask, let me ask you something. You were watching this on TV. I was not what? watching it on TV. I was not. You were? I was at work. Yeah. I, I, I was sort of, I was paying attention on Twitter, but I wasn't actually watching it. Oh my God. Yeah. So I didn't see the clip. I saw clips and, yeah. What were you? What did what you, you think? I mean, what, when did you realize it was something? Oh, I knew it was something right away because I, mm. I, you know, mm. I remember I went to the bathroom and I was thinking about it and I, I had that, this horrible calculus in my head, like, okay, if they kill these people, would that help us or hurt us? You know, in terms uh -huh. of the votes. And then I thought to myself, this is fucking crazy. You can't think like that. This is awful. This is a terrible thing. I was really scared because when you have a bunch of, of angry men in tactical gear who aren't allowed to jerk off um, and they're, in, they're, you know, storming into the Capitol. So they've already violated the law and they're looking yeah. for Pelosi and they're looking for Kamala Harris. And they're looking for AOC. I mean, they're going to rape them and kill them if they find them. I mean, that's what's going to happen. There's no when, two ways about it. So it's, when it's did horrifying. You know, when did you know I, where I was? I knew nothing about I knew nothing about them going inside. I so we saw on that side, you know, as you're standing looking at the Capitol on my left, which is the northwest side, was where the first breach was at 211 yeah. when Pozzola broke the window. And uh, at 212, there was another breach. A photographer friend, Ron Haviv, was at on the right side, and they broke another window there. And those were two of the entrances, but. When did you know they went inside? Did you you saw the hand to hand comment com, uh, combat? I can't was, remember what the what the chronology was. Something. I think it was just people talking about it on Twitter. I mean, I get all of my yeah. news from Twitter, so yeah, exactly. I don't know how if there was video yet or if it was just sort of being reported. And then you yeah. you kind of saw these things like, holy shit, these guys are you know. I I knew pretty early on that that you know, people seemed to know that they were there to to mess with the certification. And right. also we knew there was something going on on January 6th. Like everybody knew there was going to be a rally of some kind. So yeah. everybody was a little bit on alert. Like I remember thinking even that morning, oh, I hope, I hope nothing happens today. I hope this is just like yeah. kind of, it, it just winds up being a whole lot of nothing. Um, yeah. So I was a little bit, you know, paying attention just because I, I, I was just hoping it would, it would pass it by, which obviously it did not. I mean, this was a, this was a besieging of the Capitol. And I don't yeah. think, I think that in the, in the time between then and now it's been, it's been normalized and, and walked back. And, and even some of the Republicans who that day knew what happened and talked about it openly, like Mitch McConnell and people like that have, mm -hmm. have since walked back and, and are kind of trying to portray it as something lesser than what it was, which was, a, it was an attempt to overthrow the fucking government. That's what it was that people, these people, you know, as you said, it is against the law to, to go into that building. They violated the law by going into the building. I think some of the people, I, I think probably a lot of the people that were gathered outside were just MAGA people that didn't, they just thought it was, you know, they were there for a rally. I don't think they went there necessarily right. to do that, but clearly but the president told them, he told them yeah. to go there. 
Then, yeah, and then once they're there, the president says this. And as you've pointed out many times in your work, there are people with bullhorns shouting at people and telling them yeah. what to do. And these are not right. these are not free thinkers. These are fascist right. people by by right. tendency and by temperament. And they're gonna they're gonna listen and do what they're told. Do like whatever. that woman, are we supposed to do this? She doesn't know what to yeah, do because she right. can't think for exactly. herself. She right. needs one of these people with 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 the the uh, the horns to tell her where to go yeah. and what to do. And you know, if it weren't for for that policeman, you know, Eugene Robinson saying go that way and 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 sort of. You know, oh, I, I don't know what would have happened All if they them. found Pence. He was dead. I think. Yeah. I think my own personal theory is they were going to kill Pence. They were going to kill Pelosi, <sighs> and they probably would have killed Grassley as well to get Pompeo. That he would have been yeah, then, right. the, the next one. Then Trump could resign yeah. and get pardoned yeah. by Pompeo. I think what he was after was a pardon because oh, that's the one. That's the one thing that he can't have if he stays as president. Obviously, they're not going to come after him. He has enormous protection power. Yeah. But if he can't stay as president, he needs a pardon. And the only way that was going to happen between January 6th and, you know, whatever, 14 days later, when Biden yeah. took over, was for somebody else to do it. Pence clearly was not going to do it. He would have done it by yeah. then. And uh, maybe Grassley would have, you know, or maybe not. But I think Pompeo absolutely would have. And I'd like you know, to, you know, I'd like to see what I, Pompeo thought, too, and where he was that yeah. day and all of that. Well, where were all of them? Where mm -hmm. you know there were people at the ellipse. That guy Fuentes and you know a bunch of those, the right wing, you know all the right wing. Um, Jack Posobiec was there. You know all all of those those, those right wing yeah. disinformation trolls. It was their Woodstock, uh, you know. Yeah, it was exactly. I said that it was their Woodstock, and somebody like, you know, yelled at me about that. You know, Woodstock was about missing the point of, you right. know, it was this gathering of, you know, a huge, huge gathering of like-minded people. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, those bullhorn guys, so, so now I, now I don't know what's going on. I'm really, I'm confused because I've never seen anything like this before. And I'm going to take, you know, when you're in a situation like this, um, uh, I just don't know where to point my camera, or, you know. <laughs> so I wanted to see what was going up. There, there was uh, smoke going up, uh, smoke bombs. There was like uh, so. There was such a din. Plus, COVID was happening. I had my N95 mask on, and thank God I grabbed my goggles before I left the hotel mm -hmm. because I would have gotten it for sure that day. Nobody was wearing masks, no. and they were screaming. And you know, it was just it. You know, what they don't understand about the journalists is that. You, not only are we, we not, I wasn't risking my life that day, but I didn't know I was, I could have been risking my life because when, when that crowd, when you're in a crowd like that, you always have to plan your escape <laughs> if they turn. Yeah. It's, you have to think, through, anticipate something bad happening. So, you know, it's, it's called, they call it when they train you for this. I, I met a guy that trains people, uh, journalists, um, forget what it's called but it, it's situational awareness you you have to be con you have totally focused in the moment what happens if all of a sudden the crowd turns and meanwhile the night before the day before this horrible woman ashley st Clair and jack Sobiak, she did this video of me on the train you know after this guy her friend exposed himself to me sitting in our seats he was sitting in our reserve seats this is on the fifth on the acela and he takes up his shirt and he plays with his nipples. He said, how do you like my tits? I've got video of this, right? How do you like my tits? And what's your pussy taste like? It was, it was so disgusting. 
Then Ashley comes up from the bat. She's like a, you know, honeypot right wing troll mm-hmm. friends with Pasobiak. And she got fired from uh, Charlie Kirk's group, I think, because she had pictures of her with white nationalists. And she was, you know, she's like really. So she does this video of me and sends it out to millions of people. When I lost it, after I saw what she what he done to me, I said, you fucking Nazis. And she takes that video. So the that night at Black Lives Planner Plaza, the night of the fifth, these guys are start harassing me and surrounding me and grabbing their balls like little boys do. And they recognized me from her video. And I was so terrified. I had to have the cops come and take me out of Black Lives Matter Plaza. I had my photographers had to walk me to where the police were because I thought they were going to attack me. And then they did it again. The Groypers recognized me at the, at the sixth, you know, they look at my press pass. And so my life was in danger from them as well as whatever the crowd was going to do. But there were these guys with uh, megaphones and they all had the same white red, which is, I guess the most popular megaphone. And um, they were saying things like it's now or never, it's time to take your country back 1776. And I'm thinking, I thought two things. I thought, what if they were, what if this crowd was black? What right. if this was a Black Lives Matter yeah. <laughs> rally? And how, how much blood would there be you know, on the, on the grass? And then I thought, what are they going to do Wednesday morning yeah. when this is over? And then as the, as the time progressed and I, when I edited my footage and stuff, I realized that what they wanted was to, they wanted all those people to occupy that building. They wanted to, he wanted to declare, one quick thing, the, uh, on the, the 12th, I filmed a woman, a QAnon woman, at Washington uh, Monument. And she said, I said, what do you think of all this? And she said, this is on my, one of my videos. She said, um, General Flynn said, so this was on December 12th. General right. Flynn said that we need to have a new election overseen by the military, that they need to declare the Insurrection Act she had all these details of how, how they were going to do it, right? And that he, yeah. we, he was going to have a new election overseen by the military. And I said, or you can just move to Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but she said it was so, made so much sense to her that that's how they were going to take the country back because General Flynn told them, he t- you know, because he's behind the whole thing. So they're saying back to the six. So they're, they're, they're urging people to move forward. So I, with trepidation, moved with the crowd, but I was on the outskirts of it in case I had to run the other direction. And I got as close, I was fascinated. I wanted to know what was, and now this, we're up to the scaffolding where the, um, you know, for the election where Biden was going to be sworn in. We're right. We're up to that point. And all of a sudden, there was nobody on that scaffolding when I got up to the front of the group, but I couldn't see past them. I could just see like puffs of smoke. I could hear bangs. Uh, and then occasionally I would see a huge group of people coming out from that left front direction. Uh, that had been tear, uh, pepper sprayed or tear gas. I don't know if they used tear gas mm-hmm. and they were coughing and their eyes were running and stuff. 
and um, they had no protection on at all. They weren't wearing a mask or anything. <laughs> and uh, and, and then they kept urging them to keep going, keep going, take it back. It's now or never. And there's guys that were just directing these people. Like you say, they, they were doing whatever they said. Yeah. And then I finally got up to the front and now I'm standing in the well that's in front of between the two scaffolding. And at that point, people have climbed the scaffolding and they're sitting on it like they're at a football game and they're chanting, fight for Trump, fight for Trump. One guy's eating a sandwich with a Confederate flag draped over the thing. He's just sitting there nonchalantly, the lunch he brought. <laughs> it was so surreal. The whole thing, when I look at the footage, I go, this is, and you know, I always thought that I was in like a boring, you know, when you saw the footage of the actual handy on comment combat sure. which most of my friends shot that stuff and i go oh no, my stuff isn't you know interesting but then by the time i put my video up people go wow how come we haven't seen this angle before this yeah. is really interesting because this was the people this wasn't this was the mega community this wasn't the the people they weren't none of the people were wearing tactical gear or bulletproof vests or anything right yeah, these are the sheep these are the maga sheep the sheep, the sheep and they, yeah. and trump told them to go walk to the capitol so they right. walked to the capitol and then these guys with with the, the megaphones started yelling at them and telling them what to do right and, and they, they were chanting and, yeah. decertify decertify they were chanting right and fuck mike pence and you know uh, you know and there were these uh, uh these chinese people who are the anti-ccp you know bannon's uh, I don't know who those people are, but they're they're oh, they're the the Mooney. A lot of them are Moonies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, remember the Moonies, uh, and they're chant they're chanting decertify, decertify, and then at about one o'clock, the certification was supposed to happen. So they broke in at twelve fifty three. They broke the barricades. They ran the barricades at twelve fifty three. The certification was to be at one o'clock, and. Um, uh, they announced that they were, they had gotten in about, they stopped the certification. Okay. They announced that they stopped the certification. Everybody goes, yay. That was their goal. Their goal was to stop the certification and then take up, my feeling was to take over the building and declare martial law, insurrection act or whatever you do and, and install Trump as president for life. That's, I think it was such a Hail Mary pass. Yeah. This was everything. This was their, they pulled out all the stops. And by the time, okay, oh, so, okay. So then, then I'm, then I'm up there and then I'm up in this well and there's actually two guys with tinfoil hats in front of me, <laughs> like Roger Stone tinfoil hats. And I said, are those tinfoil hats? And they go, yes. <laughs> I was like, what's your point? You know? There was guys dressed in 1776. There was, you know, there were, you know, Confederate flags. There were thousands of flags. So, uh, and, and now they're up on the scaffolding and they're jumping on the scaffolding and I get away from it because I think it's going to fall because yeah. they, were, they were building it. It wasn't built yet. Right. And they broke through the, um, it was covered by paper. So it was such pigs, you know, they were just like, it was blood on the ground where when I when I finally got up there I saw blood on the ground and and um, there were people being administered first aid for you know and, and they and they were like 
when they came out, if they'd been injured or they'd been pepper sprayed, they came out and one guy's got a shirt off, he's got tattoos and he goes, see what they do to patriots, see what our government does to patriots. Because they were there righteously. Yeah. They were there righteously to take their country back. This was the patriotism. They still believe it. Oh yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it, it's essential that people in crowds like that believe that what they're doing is for the greater good and that they believe in the cause and the yeah. nobility of the cause or else they wouldn't do it. Just like, again, yeah. just like the Crusades. Those guys right. who went to Jerusalem believed all the stories and they thought we're gonna do this for God and we're gonna save the people that live there and these babies that are being massacred. And it's the same shit. It's the same pedophilia charges. It's, it's all the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, that, that's a thousand years ago. That's it. Oh, they did the same thing then. Yes. It's like an old playbook, right? It's very it's old playbook. playbook. Yeah. And it, you know, and it works. It's we have to get everybody riled up. And the people that go there believe that God has blessed them and that they're, you know, they're doing it for yes. them. You know, it's all the same. It's all the same stuff. That's what Roger Stone is saying. You know, I got right with God and, uh, you know, I made my peace. Such a freak. He's such a freak. And I made my peace with God, but he's good. He's, he's really one of the best I've ever seen yeah. at that grift. <laughs> particular oh, yeah, grift. No, I mean, yeah. Trump, Trump is the best. Trump is the best I've ever, I was 40 years in advertising. Trump is the best I've ever seen. <laughs> he's the best at it I've ever seen. He's the best grifter, you know, and so, uh, so, so now it's like, um, at, I forget the time it was two 30. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys on the megaphone said, they're in. And everybody cheers. They, they said a couple of things. I said, Pelosi had left the, the chamber. I forget the time on that. They cheered. And they go, they're in. Now, what I, I believe this to mean is the, the breach of the Capitol as hard as it is to believe that that fortress was breached in 19 minutes. The first breach of the window. Now we find out that some of the windows were not fortified. Right. And <laughs> they knew? went to those windows. <laughs> Who knew that yeah, there somebody were non, knew somebody knew yeah. that there were non fortified windows. And this guy, uh, uh, Pizzola proud boy breached the, was the first breach of the window on the Northwest side. He broke the window and then people followed him in. Uh, that was at 211. Then 212, there was a breach on the other side of the, the, the South side. 230 was the breach of the East side. So by 230, they had gotten all four sides of the building and they were, they were literally inside because my friends were also on the East side. So the, begin, the first breach, it took a while to get into the, that door on the East side. But the, but the first break-in was, so from 2.11 to 2.30, and then they announced they're in. And the place just went crazy. So now they're encouraging them to keep going. Mm-hmm. Now that they're in, they're keep, they keep, so the whole day that I was there, I left about 5.45 because there was a six o'clock curfew. And I shot through that whole time. But they were continuing to urge the, the, 
the people to go inside. And what was fascinating about my timeline is that, uh, like Kevin McCarthy said, you know, I told his latest thing is that I told Trump that he needed to tell them to stop. Right? Yeah. But during the course of the hours that I was there, I took all from my timeline, I took all the reporting, all the available reporting from the New York Times, the Washington Post, Wikipedia, um, you know, every article I could find of available open source reporting, communications with the Oath Keepers, and I plugged them in those times to where I was. And for, so Ashley Babbitt was shot at 2.45, I think. That seemed to be something that sent everybody back in the other direction, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Well, all of a sudden, that was the first, you know, the thing that they, that the journalists had been fearing, which they were going to, my journalists were fearing was getting shot. These people didn't care. I am convinced that they would have died that day. Oh, yeah. Or they they would have died for that cause. They were ready to, like the um, Taliban, or, you know, the suicide bombers, they were they were absolutely willing to die for their president. And the, the crusade, and the crusaders going back to the theme they're willing to die for their god and their hope and whatever it's the same i'm so glad that you that you brought this in because i've been saying this all along is that there's no there had to have been something else that's why the evangelical for me the the christian the christian crusades right the the, the christian um doing it for jesus you know doing it for yeah. god and for god and country right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they you know what who said that quote about what fascism comes next that'll be wrapped in a flag with a cross? Did Sinclair, anybody say Sinclair that? Sinclair Lewis. Sinclair Lewis, I think. Did he the, really? Oh, yeah. it really him. I mean, that's what they, wow. according to the memes that I've seen, right, right. Yeah, I have to, uh-huh. I have to look it up and check. But that, I, yeah, I believe yeah, it's yeah. Lewis. Well, I mean, they just they did their research on this. So, uh, so two forty, uh, she was shot, and uh, two forty five, one two forty five. <laughs> At by this point, and this is what where my research took me, was that I, I at, at 420, now now people are starting to come out. Now at, between after that, they started to come come out a bit. They weren't like so much going in, but they were still urging them to go in. Right. Because the original game plan was they were going to occupy the Capitol, I believe. And with all those people, when it was just going to be too many people, right? It wasn't just going to be 600 or many in there so it two two really interesting things happened at 4 410 and 420 so okay. I, I wind up so at 410 you you could actually take a frame for my video it's got the time on it it's got mm-hmm. the the frame has got the time of when when this thing happened so apparently the insurrectionists came out and they took up megaphones they had been inside but the first time i saw them was I think it was 410. The guy goes, this guy uh, who was in ban- uh, Nancy Pelosi's office. Yeah, that uh, guy. Who was arrested. He, was, he didn't have a shirt on. And he's waving a piece of paper. I didn't know. I didn't know anybody was inside at this point. Right. And he goes, you know, they started it. I didn't start it. They pepper sprayed me. And, you know, and I got this letter. And, and he's ranting. And he was like, seemed to be really drunk. And then. The guy next to him, who he knew because they fist bumped each other, has got a megaphone. Now behind him are smoke and there's people like pouring out down the stairs behind him by the scaffolding. And he's saying, I have a message from the president. And he reads off an iPhone 
the thing that Trump has been saying all day, only he changed the tense. He said, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to whatever that whole saying is. He tweeted yeah. it out. He tweeted it out. And actually, my video of that wound up in the congressional hearings. Uh, I tweeted it so much, they finally got their attention. And it was evidence in the congressional hearings for the uh, impeachment. He says, uh, Mike Pence didn't have the courage. And then he goes into this, we the people need to keep fighting. And he kept doing the we the people thing, because that was the, that was them, right? We're, yeah. we're we the people. The the implication was, so, so uh, Kevin McCarthy said, well, I got him and he put a video out. And, you know, find that video. I have, I have a sp spreadsheet with all this on it. But he came out with a video, you know, about that time saying, you know, go to your homes and I love you or something. Right, right, but right, right. After right, right. that video, he was encouraging them to continue fighting. And that's what this guy was saying. So then at 420, this other guy with a megaphone goes, Mayor Bowser tried to send the National Guard in to uh, shut us down. But the Defense Department said, no, thanks. Well, how did he know that? Yeah. Uh, he, they did. They said no thanks. But what happened was Chris Miller in the Defense Department, at that point in the day, they had made 14, 13 requests for the National Guard and backup all day long from 1253 from the first breach till 420. They had been asking for the National Guard to be sent in and nothing. And they all got stonewalled. They got... Uh, you know, gaslit, they got, I'll send it up the chain of command. Well, in Washington, D.C., like no other state in the union, because it's not a state. Right. In New York, the National Guard is called in by the governor, but there is no governor. So the National Guard answers solely to the president of the United States, ever since Jefferson put him in there to protect the, right. you know, the district. Yeah. And and then, and then for the chain of command is from the, from the president of the United States to the secretary of defense to the secretary of the army. So the secretary of defense was Chris Miller. He was put in there on November 9th to do that job. Yeah. To do and that job. Look, and I think, you know, th this is a, this is a key point and we got, we're right. We've run long, which is fine, but I want to, oh, no, 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 no. It's, this is, <laughs> this is important stuff. And I, it's, yeah. it, it's critical. This is, this is a historical record here that we're talking about. This, this might be the yeah. most important event of my lifetime. So yeah. it, it's very critical that we get all this stuff, right. But what you just said is super important because you go back to the timeline that I've, you know, written down where, okay. On, on November 9th, the day after the election, Trump fires people, Chris Miller becomes the acting secretary of the defense. And as you say, in Washington, D.C., because it is the District of Columbia, it is not a state, the National Guard is under the control of the president. Nobody else can summon the National Guard except for the president. Mm -hmm. The president, you know, it works through the Department of Defense. Somebody there told them, fuck it, stay the fuck home. It's that simple. They either didn't answer the call to create plausible deniability 
or they they didn't call them. The only way the National Guard came is because I I believe it was Pelosi got in tr- in touch with the with the governor of Maryland and said send the fucking yes. people here please before yeah. we all die and he did. And that took hours and hours and 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 by then I think everything had kind of I never to... saw them. Uh, they yeah. they they called Bowser did call a uh, uh, a curfew. I'm not sure what time she called it. But that poor woman I mean, she she, needs I, she to, did everything in her power. I mean, she needs to testify yeah. about the number of times she asked for backup. Yeah, and the, and, and the and the Capitol Police, uh, uh, the uh, Metropolitan Police Chief, and the Capitol Police Chief—they were all like acting. You know, they were. You know, that's what Trump did was he put in these people as acting so right. they didn't have to get approved by con- uh, Congress. Right. You know, and here's the thing. The other thing, and this is this is not my idea. This is something that has floated around in Twitter in meme form, but it's also true. I mean, on 9-11, if you recall, George Bush was an Air Force One for most of the day. He was gone for most of the day. And why? Because the Secret Service determined that it wasn't safe for him to land anywhere. Oh, they didn't yeah. know what was going on. Right. Abundance right. of precaution, da-da-da. That was from an attack that was launched by a guy living in a cave in Afghanistan. And that's how the secret service reacted. Now we have tens of thousands of people in DC besieging the Capitol. The president has just given a speech there. They don't move him out of DC. They don't move him away from the white house. They don't do shit. Why? Cause there's, there's, there's no threat. There's no threat to right. Trump. Okay. Right. So if there was a threat to Trump, they would have moved the people out. So, uh, well, you, again, know the, you know, you see the, the, the pictures of uh, somebody made a scuffle at one of his uh, rallies and they just grab, they jump on him. The Secret Service jumps on him, yeah. you know, like they did Reagan when he was shot. And, right. and they, they're, they, they're get him out of there. That's their thing. That's their job. Right. Yes. Where were they? they? They, I don't know. But, you know, but maybe they were doing their job and they correctly determined that he was not in any danger because these. Oh, were, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. OK, so. Um, <laughs> And what is that, you know, and the meme ends, what are, that's all you need to know, but in a sense yeah. that it, it, it is. I mean, there's no question based on the timeline of these events here that Trump knew what was going on. These people knew what was going on. And it is my hope that this, this uh, January 6th commission, which I'm very glad exists, and I know that right as we're talking, there's going to be, oh, is Steve Bannon going to show up and this and that. The purpose of this commission, in my view, is to get people there to testify under oath and keep this story in the news yeah. until such a time as maybe Merrick Garland decides in his in his judicial wisdom yeah. to appoint yeah. a special counsel to look special into counsel. it. Which is it what really we need, honestly. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It's, it's insane to me that this hasn't happened yet. But that guy has to come down from his ivory tower and figure out what the fuck is going on before he can do something rational like that, I guess. I don't can know. Can we talk about how it's still going on before I leave? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to go on too long. No, no. Uh, Like I said, I don't mind. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Because the insurrection is still going on. I mean, it's, it's, it never stopped. It never stopped. Right. And as a matter of fact, that the Woodstock, that day was inspiration for them to keep doing what they're doing in the States and on the school boards. So what I noticed in New York during the, anti, well, first of all, it started with the anti-lockdown, mm. you know, with, with against uh, Cuomo and, and Cuomo's around. Then they got rid of Cuomo. 
then it became then when the mandates started coming down so there was the anti the anti-vax people who've been right. around forever right yeah. they have been they have just been they're just creaming over this because they, <laughs> you know they have been waiting for this moment you know and uh so the anti-vax people have been around you know it causes autism whatever so they had these rallies and there's uh it's anti-vax anti-mandate and they were at City Hall in New York. And I started seeing these, uh, uh, first of all, the first one I went to was at Gracie Mansion to protest de Blasio's, uh, Mayor de Blasio putting in uh, these mandates, right? And I see this guy, his name is Scott Pressler. And a friend of mine said, he's the most dangerous guy here. And I didn't know who he was, right? He was one of the organizers of January 6th. He's one of that Nick Fuentes, Jack Basobiac, okay that whole loop of right-wing, young, you know, dark money funded uh, trolls. And he says, we're coming for your school board. He says, this is a message for CNN. We're coming for your school boards. And all of a sudden the next week, they started having these school board disruptions yeah. Across the country. And they had these signs saying Nuremberg codes. And I go, just out of the blue, but they'd be all over the country. All of a sudden, I saw them in New York. And then I put up on Twitter and they go, oh, no, it's in LA, it's in yeah. Maine. And I go, so I finally asked one guy, I said, because they didn't know what it was. They said, uh, it's World War II, uh, the Nazis, Google it. That's what they did, <laughs> Google it. <laughs> I interview Holocaust survivors, you know, I know a couple of things about it. So um, I go on. To, so the guy, so a guy's got a, a sign with the ten Nuremberg codes. Apparently, after the Nuremberg trials, the the essence is that you can't experiment on human beings without the consent or something. <laughs> and uh, so this guy's got a list of all of them. I said, "Where did you find that?" He said, "Facebook." Yep. So I look up Nuremberg codes on Facebook, and what they've done is they have changed. All that you know, the, the vax stuff is getting shut down all over the place. They're shutting, they're shutting it down off of YouTube. You know, the anti-vax stuff, disinformation. But if you go onto Facebook and you put in the Nuremberg codes, all these groups come up as "Let our children breathe," "Let them breathe," uh, or and there's this woman named Dr. Simone Gold, and she is the proponent of the Nuremberg codes, and she is the woman behind. Uh, hydrochloroquine and ivermectin or whatever and what it is and then if you go to these uh websites of the these marches down in the bottom you see a a a web page and it takes you back to audits to auditing so they're disrupting the school boards they're trying to terrorize these poor people who work on the school boards. They're getting them to quit, which they are. And then this guy, Scott Pressler, is going around teaching how to replace the, the members of the school boards and the, the election canvassers with their people. And that's how the insurrection is continuing. It's scary. It's scary stuff. I mean, starting with the, that Nuremberg Code stuff, I had it, yeah. people listening to the podcast know I had a letter, a guy lives in my town who is not a MAGA, who's, uh, I think he's, he's left leftist, if anything, yeah. um, you know, was comparing and, and is 
Jewish nominally and, and was comparing uh, Fauci to Dr. Mengele with wow. a straight face. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like Mengele was not trying to end a pandemic. That's not, I don't think that's what he was doing. And if you're arguing that he was, I don't, I don't even want to know what the SAT analogy going on in your brain there, because I reject yeah. it, right? Yeah. So this, this is terrifying <laughs> stuff. The school board stuff is astroturfed. The, 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 the people protesting these school boards are often people that don't even live in the, in the town. Exactly. Um, yeah. they, you know, they just bring them in and they, may, they, they gin up this thing like it's a big deal when it's the same seven people shuffling from board exactly. meeting to board meeting. Yeah, it's complete exactly. bullshit. And the objective is to, um, you know, like you say, install their people there and they want people yeah. to be dumb. That's what they want. They ultimately, they yeah, want people to be yeah. dumb because dumb yeah. people are easy to control. If you have critical thinking and the ability to think critically, then you're not going to be, um, you know, walking aimlessly behind this mass of MAGA idiots saying, are we supposed to go to the Capitol? I don't know what we're supposed yeah. to do now. <laughs> you're not going to say that because you're not going to be there because you're going to know better. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really scary stuff. And I agree, this thing is not over. They're going to yeah. try, as long as Trump is is not in prison or, yeah. you know, in, until the until the good Lord takes him back to, to, yeah. from whence he came, he's yeah. going to be a threat for to, to overthrow our democracy. And that's just, yeah. just the thing. And, and when he's gone, it'll be somebody else that may even be worse. Um, smarter. And, you know, they smarter, say smarter. Better yeah. at it. You know, better at hiding better it. At it. Um, yeah, better you know, at hiding it. And these it. people are... Some of them can hide really well, you know, they, they can hide and then they, they show up at the, at the worst times and it's very, very scary. But mm -hmm. I, I, I'm super grateful to you, Sandy. I, I can't even imagine going there and covering this stuff. It's, it, you've been very blase about it. Say, oh, well, you know, the other people were in danger. You were in danger the whole time. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you, you managed to, to, <laughs> you know, to be infiltrating this group or not infiltrating, covering this group. Mm -hmm you know, as closely as you do where the goddamn, the leader of the, the Proud Boys could come up and say, hey, you my name, right? right? You know, that, that to me is horrifying. Um, so I just want to say, you know, thank you for, for doing this. It's, this, is, this is a great service for the country. Um, and unlike the, the, that, that shirtless asshole with his feet on Pelosi's desk who thinks he's a patriot, you really are. You know, what you're oh. doing is super important. It's, it's, it's great work. And um, you know, the more people know about it, the better. And, and it's my hope that that this is going to help us get get through this moment and, and preserve our democracy. So thank, thank you so you, much. Honey. Thank you and, so much. You're a wonderful interviewer. And uh, let's do some more because, uh, you know, it, it, it's so important. It's not over. It's just beginning. I'm a frontline journalist and it's just beginning. I'm watching it morph into something even more terrifying. And you know the Q, the QAnon guy. He's not Q. He's not Q, but he's you know Q is a bunch of people. But this guy is running for uh, office in Arizona. Yeah. The, you know, so the in the whole QAnon thing, you know, it, uh, QAnon just quickly. QAnon is flipping the script on what they do. You know, uh, Epstein was a pedophile. Trump is probably a pedophile, <laughs> a freak at the very least. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're. Uh, they they take what they're doing and they flip the script on it as Absolutely. all good fascist uh, societies do, and uh, and it's fear porn and and it seems to be working and and then you can't talk to these people because it's a cult of certainty. The magas are a cult of certainty and they knuckle in. Now the word I used to be able to talk to them. I can't any longer because they are so sure uh, that their life depends on believing this. This is life and death for them. Right. believing that they're right 
And when you try and talk to them, they literally talk over you because they're so afraid. You can't have a conversation with them. I, I try and reason with them and they're just literally talking the whole time. <laughs> they're zombies. So it's a dangerous... They become zombies. They're Trump zombies. Yeah. Their brains are yeah. their brains are fried. And it's very sad, you know, because I think a lot of these people, if you take them out of that context and put them in a normal situation, are fine, you know, are not like yeah. that. It's very sad. It's it I know we like, you know, people tend to make fun of them and throw hate at them. I, I feel bad. I just feel pity. For most of these people, I mean, the, the the masses of these people that have fallen prey to this, this is this is military grade psyop that they've, mm. you know, they've been victim yes. to, and it's it's, yes. it's 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 the primary thing that it is is sad. Um, mm -hmm. So okay, so where can we find you? You're on Twitter at Sandy. Oh, I'm Twitter Sandy Bacom. I'm S A N D I B A C H O M. And where else can we Thank find you? you? Uh, I'm. I have a web page with most of my work on it. I just did under that name. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm that name everywhere. So, you know, de death threats, come bring it. <laughs> you <laughs> bring know it. what? Bring I'm 77 years old. I am fighting this. I swear to you, I am fighting this to my last breath. My great grandfather lied about his age and fought in the Ohio 111th in the Civil War. He fought those guys with Confederate flags. You know, my dad was was in the Navy and he fought the Nazis. And my uncle, his brother, was shot down by the Nazis when he was 19 years old. So I'm in this. All right. I'm not going anywhere because I have the most dangerous weapon of all, a camera. Amen. Amen. <laughs> OK, so Sandy, uh, check her out. Follow her on Twitter. You know, support her work if you, if you can and you're able. And Sandy, we'll have you back on at, at, at some point soon. Thank you so much for joining me oh, today. Thank, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing, Greg. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fassa. Sophia Tereschenko provided the Russian introduction. Voice talent is provided by Tally Briggs, Sigmundella, Stephanie St. John, Brett Petticord, Ryan Byrne at History Falls Apart, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hawkey, Kanai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail website with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the site and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. Until next time, we shall prevail. W.